I'm going to have the same story. I'm not going to change it at all because he's pastor here now. And so if there's anything that I remember from the past, we're going to leave it in the past. Uh, praise God. Our sins were nailed to the cross of Calvary, were they not? And uh, what a blessing that is. But pastor, we have a gift for you and your family uh, that we wanted to give to you for standing together with us in missions. Uh, this is a, a banana basket. Don't put bananas in it, but it's out of banana leaves from Ecuador. Uh, they wind up the banana leaves once they're dried and weave them, and it's for holding napkins. It's got a little nut on top of it called a tagua nut. Uh, it's called the ivory of South America, and uh, they carve those and, and do some neat things, but just a, a very small token of our appreciation of your ministry here in prayer and support as we serve. I said this morning that it's actually Latham Bible Baptist Church South. Uh, as in it's 80 degrees where we live. And in January, that was a little more important than it is now because we're actually, I think we're going to survive. Uh, we made it through January, and it's great to be here this morning. But I want to thank you as a church for the time that we had together with you, serving as a pastor, but then the time that we've had serving as missionaries. When I came here as pastor in the year 2000, my wife, as children, and, uh, my wife and I as children had dedicated our lives to serving the Lord as missionaries. I was seven, she was six. Uh, we weren't married till two years later. Um, <laughs> some time later, we didn't even know each other at that time, but we wanted to go and to serve the Lord overseas. And by the time I became pastor here, I was 33 years old. And I said, well, the Lord's not going to take an old guy like me, so let's grow missionaries and let's become a greenhouse to grow missionaries. I was just in uh, North Carolina this week with Bill Simeon, and he said, I remember something about 10 by 10 by 10 by 10 by 10. And I said, yep, we were praying that the Lord would take 10 by the year 2010. And I remember uh, the time when I stood before the congregation, and I said, my hope is within five years, I don't see half your faces here. And I think I accomplished that job pretty well. I mean, that's just the way things go in church and ministry. But uh, it was to see us serving on one place or another. What a great blessing it was to see uh, even now, not just the mission field, but to see how God has called you and Ruthie here to serve as pastor. Uh, I do have great memories. The one thing about time and getting older is we don't remember the bad ones. We just keep the good ones in our mind and uh, are excited about what God's going to do here using your and your family and leading and guiding through the word of God. And uh, Brother Sam Mansfield, remember him as a little tyke, and to call him Pastor Mansfield now. Uh, that's a, to me, that's honestly a great joy, to have been known your family now for more than 25 years uh, and to have spent time together and to see how God continues into work. Uh, my question is, who's next? Who's got a, God going to call out of this congregation next? Because we need to be anticipating who it is that we can send, prepare, and guide, and lead to go and to do the exact same thing as God has called us to do. And what a great joy that is. Turn in your Bibles with me this morning, if you would please, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I want to share with you a message this morning from the Word of God entitled, Your Motivation to Change Your World. Your Motivation to Change Your your world. Uh, I've brought two people for show and tell with me this morning. Uh, my wife and I, my Deanne, has been, uh, we've been married for 31 years and serving in ministry. Uh, in fact, this year we are at the 50 50 point where we served 16 years in the States and now 16 years in missions. That'll come later on in September. And so, what a, what a great joy that has been to serve the Lord. She is not. Um, just my ideal helper. 
ayuda idonia. It is in Spanish. And if I mess up some words, please bear with me because we live between two cultures and uh, sometimes we're not able to figure out which word is which in which culture. We also sometimes are not able to tell if the word we're speaking is actually a real word or if we just made it up that sounds good. And so uh, please do bear with us, but the word of God never changes. And uh, just a great joy. She's not just my ideal helper. Uh, she is my right and left lungs. Uh, we have served together in ministry, and a lot of the bad ideas that I have had over the years, uh, she has cut before they've gotten out to other people to hear about how wonderful uh, they were. Uh, I will share with you just one of those. Uh, yeah, she's cringing right now. Uh, it never even got to the deacons. It never got outside. But uh, when we lived over here in the parsonage, they had a um, they had uh, tennis courts, and the tennis courts were there where the parking lot is now. And in the summertime, there weren't bathrooms that were usable. The building here was locked. The building at the school was locked. And so I thought it would be great if we could uh, get some porta potties and put them in back there behind the house, and the people could use that. We could call them first, second, and third John. That never got even to the deacons. In fact, it's never been repeated in public again until now. And as I see the look on her face, that's probably going to be the last time it ever gets repeated in public. But uh, seriously, I do appreciate her and her ministry in my life. She's a wonderful discipler of women, a wonderful teacher of the ladies, and it's just a great joy to serve along together. Uh, I want to share with you a message this morning from the Word of God that is, I believe, super important. If you remember a time in your life when people may have been afraid to go out in public. If you can remember a time in your life when people may have been hiding and staying away from one another because literally the next person that they met could have led to their imminent death. You may remember a time when there was disinformation that was coming out and you never knew what the truth was because one would say one thing and you'd start to question it and then someone would say the exact opposite and where really is the bottom line of the truth? Now if we pause for just a minute, I'm pretty sure that most of us are going to be thinking about the last two years that we just went through of disinformation or misinformation or information that is crossing of a time when we weren't sure if we could go out to public because the next person that we met may have led to our death, where there may have been fear that ran around in the believer's lives, but I'm not talking about the last two years. I'm talking about some 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ had just been crucified on the cross of Calvary. The king of the Jews had been crucified had been buried and had risen again and the ladies went to the tomb some said his body was stolen some said he is resurrected he showed himself to some 500 people in the 40 days after his resurrection but but i didn't see it do i know it is the truth remember peter in the judgment hall when he covered himself and he hid until someone said aren't you one of his followers and how did he respond he didn't say here i am i am one of jesus disciples no, what did he say? I don't know this man. I don't know this man. And a third time, the Bible says that he swore, saying, I do not know this man. I am not one of his disciples. So you can imagine now that Jesus had been crucified, he was dead, that some believers could have been thinking that this next part of my life could come into question. Because very possibly the next person that I meet that knows that I am a Christian very possibly could lead to my imminent death. It was a time of uncertainty. 
But I want to tell you, it was not a time that the believers laid down and quit and hid. It was a time when they rose up. Where we're looking here in Acts chapter 1, the motivation to change your world, and as I believe all of us are going to have to understand, in a world that has changed, what is your motivation to stand up and to go and to do what God has called you to do, beginning in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth? I have given you the outline here altogether. There will not be any more on the outline, and so now you are responsible. I like it that way. If you quit listening before I get done preaching, you're still responsible because you have it. And really what I would like you to do is to think through your own reasons why, what is my motivation to go and to change a world in a world that has changed. Back in 2005, when the Lord had burdened our hearts that now was the time to go and to serve into missions, I remember sitting down with the family at dinner one night on, on Sunday evening, and oh, I forgot to to introduce my other show and tell and she didn't even say anything bethany is here with us as well i apologize sweetheart will you forgive me great you all heard it so she's forgiven me we're in good shape now bethany is with us and what a great joy it is that she's able to come and to be with us this morning as well uh, we really have enjoyed time together with the family here in upstate New York and with Jordan and his family as well and with Bethany and, and uh, we have just visited uh, down with Lucas and his fiance and uh, getting married in June and then Amanda and, and John we were with them in December when they got married and so we've had some time here in the States to visit with each of them and what a great joy it has been and what a great joy to know that my children walk in truth. But in 2005, when it was a time that God was working in our hearts, I remember coming home to, to the family after a pastor's conference on missions that I'd gone to in October, and I sat down with the family and I just said, hey guys, what would you think if God called us to be missionaries? And they looked at me, I could hear the, the forks drop at the table, and what was our motivation to go then? What was our motivation to go and to do and to change our world that God had given to us? I remember Amanda said, let's go someplace and preach the gospel where, where the gospel is not heard. And God took us to a valley where there was not another Baptist church. There was only one other church of any kind that we knew of that was preaching any kind of gospel. And the Lord allowed us to serve there as missionaries in that time for five years. Jordan laid down and he prayed that God would take us to Chile, to Turkey, or to Hungary. They happened to all be food-related countries. And if you know Jordan you would understand why. Bethany did not answer anything that Sunday night as we sat around the table, but Lucas came in the, the room that night and he was waving a little sword and kind of just playing and, and he said, how do you know the will of God in your life? I think it's interesting. I had the, the privilege this week of listening to your message on the will of God and understanding what the will of God is in our lives and very similarly I just answered you obey today what you know to be true and God will show you tomorrow will he not and since that time we have lived by that method of how do you know how to change the world that you're in God shows us today it's already written I've got 1800 pages of scripture that tell me for today Sunday the 20th of March 2022 what is the will of God for me on this day I don't need to worry about tomorrow at this moment, but yet it will come soon enough that I will need to learn and to do and to obey. Lucas that night, and we had decided as a family to, to pray for a couple of months. That was in October, and we were going to pray until February of that year to understand better what it was that God had for us. But 
Within two weeks, that idea was shot. The word was out. Mrs. Parker was Lucas' teacher. And she was asking the students one day, and by the way, you're a fantastic storyteller. My kids, tell, not like telling stories, but I mean storyteller. All right? There's a difference between those two, but you're a fantastic storyteller. My kids still remember some of your illustrations and stories that they had heard as they, you, were, you were teaching them. And Lucas was sitting in her class, and she said, how many of you students are preparing to come back for this next year and had something that was going on next year? And Lucas folded his arms and didn't raise his hand. Now, remember, we wanted to keep this just between our family and prayer for a time. Good old Lucas. That didn't happen. So she says, Lucas, you're coming back. You're the pastor's son. He said, nope, I'm going to the mission field. And I praise God that he wanted to change his world in a world that had changed even at eight years old and understood that. God works in our hearts and our lives. The church had not been instituted as of yet. That comes later in Acts chapter 2. But what was the motivation that the believers had to go and to change their world? I believe we find believers that raised up in a time when there was uncertainty of information. They are believers that raised up in a time when they did not know if the next person that they met with would be the time that would lead to their death. Where people may have hidden in the shadows and stayed away from one another. But the year was just after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. I want you this morning to be thinking through as what is your reason to change the world and to do what God has called you to do. I share with you the early believers here from the book of Acts and part of my motivation to change the world in the world that has changed. We see first here in Acts chapter 1 that you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I could stop at this one and not continue because I think this is sufficient for each and every one of us but let's read what it says here in Acts chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 it says in the first book O Theophilus let me stop here for just a minute the first book is the book of Luke because Luke wrote the book of Acts as well, and so we know who the author is. In the first book, O Theophilus, and we don't know a whole lot about Theophilus. Some historians have given some ideas, but the scriptures really does not divulge anything further for us. He says, I have dealt with all that Jesus, what? All that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after that he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had what? What's that word? Say it out loud. Chosen. Let's try that again. Whom he had chosen. Now you're going to have to understand, I'm used to preaching in South America where there are so many interruptions and people calling out things right in the middle of the sermon that I'm not used to a quiet audience. And I know we're a little bit more reserved in the north and in the, in, in the United States. But I, if I have a pause, go ahead and fill in the scripture for me, if you would. Um, we were having communion one day in our church, and all of a sudden, somebody decided it was a good time to have a, uh, a three-man band outside with drums and trumpets and flutes and everything else, just as we're starting communion, to the point where we had to stop communion because it was no longer godly. Everybody was just listening. We couldn't hear anything at all so if you want to call out a word here we're accustomed to that we're accustomed to dogs running in and cats going Rear! all kinds of stuff so feel free to let it let it out the holy spirit he gave commands through the holy spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen that's right we're not talking here about salvation 
We're not talking about the doctrine of election, and I'll let Pastor deal with that with you. We're talking about service. We're talking about God has called each and every one of us to be a part of his army, his ambassadors, to go and to represent him. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you came to that point where you have trusted him as your savior, you have repented of your sins, and you called out and asked him to be your savior, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, you are chosen by him in service to go and to represent him in the world. It is not optional. It is something that we are called to do. You see, it's a word of relationship and until the day when he was taken up, after he had been given commands through the Holy Spirit to the, or he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, those first that remember from Matthew chapter 28 were called to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and doing what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And we are the continuation part of all of those things. You and I have been chosen to go and to represent his name. When I was a child, I realized that I was a sinner and condemned to hell. And the only way to be forgiven was that to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for me. And at that moment, I understood through the church that was sharing the word of God, my parents and others around us, Sunday school teachers and great men and women of God that poured into my life. They let me know from that early age as a child that I was now called to go and to serve. And I believe in part that is reason, the relationship that they had with me and I had with them, that that was the reason as a child I chose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in missions one way or another. Turn with me, if you would, please. Keep your finger in Acts chapter 1. We are going to return. But turn with me, if you would, please, to John chapter 15 and verse 16. John chapter 15 and verse 16. And I want you to see this word chosen again. Is it not a word of relationship? Think with me for just a minute. Back when Deanne was a senior in high school, I came home from college because I ran out of money really, really fast. And she was a cheerleader on the court, and I watched her and I said, Where have you been all of my life? Now, we were in high school together for three years, but she was in ninth grade and I was in twelfth grade, and that just wasn't right. So I, I had no interest in her of, of dating her at all. But when I came and she was a senior in high school, oh boy, everything changed. We dated for three years, and I remember that day when I chose her. You understand what I'm saying, do you not? I chose her to be my wife, and that is a term of relationship that she was chosen I don't know if she chose me or not or if I just snuggered her enough to be able to say yes, but we've been enjoying marriage and service together for the last 31 years. It's a word of service. It's a word of relationship. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I have what? I have chosen you and ordained you that you go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name he will give it to you it is a word of relationship that word chosen he chose the disciples the apostles to go out he has chosen you and i to go and to continue that message that he began turn with me if you would please to ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10 if we're sharing in evangelism, these verses very, very probably would come up in 
in the element of salvation, the manner, it's not by works, but Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a what of God? It is a gift of God. That's one of those that we must know, that we must memorize. Not of works, lest any man should boast. What's it say here, the rest of the verse? Can you read it out loud with me, nice and loud? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You and I are not saved by our works, but we are saved to do what? To do good works. It laid it out here. Because of the relationship by grace from him through faith, believing what he already told us from his word and taking that and believing it and living it, not for our own selves, but we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you my motivation for changing the world that God has given to me is because of the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't need anything else. That relationship that I have with him is everything. And I believe the believers in the early days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I think right before them in the intensity of the day that they understood it, that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around me, I'm going to follow him because I have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Some of you may know that as a child I was adopted as a baby of five months old. I was adopted in the family of Duvalls, and from there had new responsibilities and even a new name, and I'll share with that with you in just a minute. But I have here, and, and every time we come back to the States, I always go through our, our lock box, our important papers box, to, to see what we need to update. And uh, now that Dad Ellison has passed away in the middle of January, we have to update some of our power of attorney and other things like that. And in there is a special paper that I have. It's actually the adoption paper that my parents received, letting them know that I was available. Here's what it says. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Duvall, we have good news for you. We have selected a baby boy born August 29th, 19, none of your business. <laughs> you hear that word of relationship? We have selected a baby boy. They didn't have any say in it. They got what they were getting. It's kind of like the mystery bag at the, the dollar store that you buy. You have no idea what's inside. Well, I pity my parents because that's what they got. He weighed in at 7 pounds, 2 ounces at birth. I like this part, and I like to repeat it as often as I can. It says he is, and it's here. You can verify it. You can see it later. Uh, it's, I'll show it to anybody. He is a real attractive baby. Well-developed with sandy, light brown hair and fair complexion. The part I don't like here is where it says, oh, sorry, the phone just closed. Here's what it says here. His face and body are beginning to show plumpness. Now, that just kind of wrecks the whole entire paper for me at the moment. I'm sure I've enhanced it from that day, but it literally says that. And this is what I love. He smiles, is now drooling, and goes to anyone. Our guys in the police ministry said they're going to put that on the back of my shirt. He smiles, he's drooling, and he goes to anyone for my heart for evangelism, and I'm A-OK -okay with that because I do smile. I do look for those that need Jesus as their Savior, and I will go to anyone to preach the gospel to them, and that's special. I share this with you for the point of this is that I was chosen. 
I was selected. We were just in Michigan in this last trip that we took, and the Michigan law at that day was that if you adopted a baby, you could never separate from them because you had chosen them special. If your children had misrepresented you enough that you could actually separate and, and they would no longer be a part of your responsibility. They became a ward of the state, but they were no longer attached to you or your name. You could literally divorce your children, but you could not do that to me because I had been chosen by them. John chapter 10 and verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give unto them what? Eternal life and they shall what? Never perish. You can never lose that. And I could never lose the ability of being Jeffrey John Duvall. They gave me another name at birth and what my parents gave me, and I'm so glad it changed. They gave me a responsibility. I remember Dad telling me as a teenager, son, remember your name. All of those things, the responsibilities I had because of the relationship, because of why? Because they had chosen me. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that you and I, as in relationship with Jesus Christ... The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the creator of the universe, our Savior, you and I, if you have a relationship with him, we now have a responsibility to go in service and to serve and to live in the way that he would have for us. I am so glad that we have relationship. I'm glad for the relationships that we have built here at Latham over the years. I have a question. How many of you came to the church the very first time just by driving by? I mentioned this in Sunday school, but I actually want to ask, how many of you came to this church just by driving by the sign one day and you saw it and you said, I want to come in? Can you raise your hand? One, two, three. How many of you came one way or another because of a relationship that you had with someone in the church or through the school or one way or another? Can you raise your hand? But it was by relationship. Look at that. Major difference, isn't there? You know, the greatest way to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ is not just by a sign out in front of the church. The greatest way is by your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you extend that to your relationship to the world in which you live throughout the week. And coming to church is a natural outpouring that happens of the gathering of the believers after evangelism, discipleship, and gathering together. To invite them to come and to be a part of, but it's that relationship that the majority of people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for us to get out. It's time for us to rise up in a world that is uncertain to change the world that has changed. And I believe forever it's, it's not going to be the same. But we have a Savior who has resurrected is point number two. We have a Savior that has resurrected. Return with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 1. Not only do we have a relationship with him, but we have a Savior that is resurrected. While you're turning there, I want to share with you a, a picture from point number one about relationship. There's a family that's not in this picture, Albanus and Paula, that, I'm sorry, no, they are in the, uh, Jorvis and Alaska, that had to go to Colombia. They were part of our church, but they had to leave and go to Colombia in order to get their paperwork to stay in Ecuador. But we met them on the street one day, and they were sitting, selling anything they could, washing windows. And we as a church body, we stopped with the car, and we gave them arroz con pollo. They were hungry. They were Venezuelan refugees that had been traveling, were living on the street. Nobody wanted them. We have over 500,000 refugees from Venezuela in Ecuador right now. Ecuador is a country that is broke. 
that are receiving 500,000 refugees that are broke and the world is not listening and understanding that there's need for those people that are all around us. And so our church gathered together and we would give them a rose con pollo and we wouldn't just package it and give it to them and keep going. We'd stop, we'd talk, we'd eat with them and, and, and build relationship with them because we felt that was super important. We would give them a gospel of John and we would give them an invitation to church and we would give them a, a clear presentation of the gospel using the wordless book or wordless colors on a track in the invitation to church. Jorvis in Alaska came to church with us but then they saw Paula in the bus station. They, they invited Paula to come and to live with them. Now Paula has two children and a husband. Jorvis in Alaska had three children. And their house was not much bigger than your office. And all of these people living, cooking on the floor and everything else, and they brought them to church. Albanus and Paula at Christmas time this last year when we were giving out food baskets to those in need around us they invited the next couple over the, the next couple there um, um, Umberto and Henesis invited them to come to church because they saw the little girls outside playing and they just observed that there might be some kind of need that they didn't have everything that was needed to sustain them day by day and Umberto and Henesis what did they do? They invited another friend that they needed. Five generations of people that came to our church because of what? Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, building a relationship on the street with them, and they built relationships with others. And I believe that's how we reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ this day as well. Preaching the truth in love, but the love part sometimes means meeting those physical needs. I want to change my world because I have a relationship with the creator of the universe. I want to change my world because as we see here in the word of God also, we have a resurrected Savior. Can I hear an amen? amen? And by the way, that's not just something that we celebrate when it comes around Easter time. I believe the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is something we ought to focus on every single day of our lives. You see, it's through his death on the cross and his blood that was shed that nailed my sins to his cross that gives me that forgiveness of sins, but that would not have happened if it wasn't for his resurrection, him saying who he said he was, was and was going to be and giving us that hope for the future. We see the resurrected Savior here in verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to shout it from the mountaintop that he is alive. We meet a lot of believers, and yes, there are trials. Those that live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. We think of our brothers and sisters around the world, many of them that are unable to meet together in an open forum like this because their government has shut down and said, you are unable to do that. We think of our brothers and sisters who are refugees who do not have a place to gather together and worship except on the street. The church is not the building. The church is you and I. When we were getting ready to leave Ecuador, we would plan to leave just for two weeks this time for Amanda's wedding. But the rules to enter back in with COVID vaccines and everything else changed and that extended our time here in the States and really gives us the privilege to be able to come and to be with you and to share with you this morning as well. But I went to speak with the men in the church and I said, look, this is out of my control, but I cannot come back. And they said this, and it blessed my heart and it also left me a little bit unsettled at the same time.
They said, Pastor, we're the church. You're not the church. Go. We don't need you. They didn't say we don't need you. They said we're going to be okay. I called them about two weeks ago and talked to some of the leaders, and they shared with me that the church was growing, that people are coming in. They're immediately getting into discipleship. We have more people now than when we left, and I said, I'm not coming back. I'm going to come in and give me three or four families, and we'll go start another church in another area that needs it if things are going well. That's the way it's to be, and that's not us. That's the work of God because we have a resurrected Savior that wants his name to be known around the world. He presented himself in what manner? He presented himself alive to them. After his suffering by many proofs, for 40 days, there's no doubt that Jesus Christ is alive. For me, baptism is one of the most exciting times in the life of the church. Not just the act of the baptism, but the time when the people are really Dedicated and saying, I want to follow through in obedience to the Lord's command. We read off in Romans chapter 6 that because of our resurrected Savior, that we too are buried in the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his resurrection. And in almost every baptism, somewhere around it, either in the teaching and training or the, the actual day of the baptism, you're going to hear that passage read. And, and so we had a baptism. By the, by the way, this was in uh, February. Um, we just walked down to the beach eight blocks from the church and uh, did baptism uh, you can't do that here you'd have to chip a hole in the ice you'd have to have the EMTs and paramedics ready to resuscitate people getting into the river but anyhow there were five people that wanted to be baptized that day and so our custom is we have a little booklet and, and what is baptism why is baptism when is baptism and what are you waiting for uh, pretty simple pretty straightforward and, and we went through that with them and they had a responsibility of gathering together and in front of the church that Sunday. I didn't have a message. I was prepared if it went short, but, but if it went long, I was just going to let them speak, and, and they did, and they just shared their testimonies of how they came so many different ways, literally like the song, some through the water, some through the blood, but all through Jesus Christ, through him. I said there were five that wanted to be baptized, and there's six people in that picture. And I'm sure, Pastor, you have an uh, order of service, you have a plan, and you coordinate it with Mike and, and the musicians and others, and you know what's going to happen and go on. And I was all done with the service, and I said, let's pray. Remember I told you the church is interactive. And the lady in the back just shouted out, Pastor, Sophie wants to get saved. And I looked, and that wasn't on my list of uh, the order of service for that day kind of stumped me for just a minute because I didn't know whether I should pull her aside quietly and, and talk with her and find out what her true desire was or whether I should just talk to her. So I just opened it up and we just had a good conversation right in front of everybody. I said, Sophie, is that your desire? She said, yes, pastor, it is. Sophie, do you know? Oh, yes, I know I'm a sinner. Do you know it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you can be cleansed and be forgiven? Oh, yes, absolutely. Do you want to go and walk in newness? Of yeah, pastor, I absolutely do. I want to be baptized. Right there in that moment, Sophie trusted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Now, I don't know if you can tell from where you're sitting, but I'm not exactly the most tall person in the world. You see how tall Sophie is on the right-hand side of the picture there, in the white dress? Right after church, we went down to the beach, had baptism, and Sophie was baptized three times by the waves before I laid a hand on her. She's so short, she's so little, but she is so happy. Because she trusted Christ as her Savior, and now she's choosing to walk in newness of life.
Amen? Six of them that day. You see, those six came, and Sophie came because she had moved in with Anelda, who said, Sophie wants to be saved. Anelda came to us because of relationship, because we ate at her restaurant in the town where we live, and she sat down at the table. We'd only been there a couple of months, and she sat down. I was in shorts and a t-shirt, and she said, are you a pastor? Now, I don't know if that's normal pastor outfit here in Latham, New York, but are you a pastor? I said, well, yes, I am. She says, my husband, Carlos, he needs to be saved. He needs Jesus. So we started meeting with Carlos, going back to their restaurant. They had a delicious fish peanut butter soup. Mmm. Yeah, you're not kidding, are you? But it is delicious. Come to Ecuador and we'll give you some of our best. We would go back and... Who said no? Tom. <laughs> we're going to take you first and we're going to give it to you, brother. Yum. So we went back and finally Carlos started coming to church because why? We had relationship. Carlos came to church and he sat in the back of the church not paying any attention. Didn't want to be there, kind of like you, sir. Oh, no, sorry, Bob, you're paying attention. Anytime his phone would ring, he'd be out the door. He didn't want to be there and you could just tell... But little by little, you began to see that the word of God began to soften in his heart. Carlos came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. His son Jeremy trusted Christ, and both of them were baptized. Anelda, Carlos, and Jeremy had received Sophie into their home. Sophie had heard the word of God. She'd been in church and heard the word. She decided she wanted to be baptized. Why? Because we have a resurrected Savior. Every person that I've baptized from the time that I have started in ministry was given that charge as they come up out of the water to go and to walk in newness of life. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have a resurrected Savior. We have a resurrected Savior that wants to be known amongst the nations, and you and I are the voice to go and to proclaim it around the world. My motivation is that. We had another baptism where Paula and Albanus decided they wanted to be baptized, and another Venezuelan lady wanted to as well. She since has gone back to Venezuela. But you see, I had a problem because... Five of the people that were being baptized were living together in immorality, not all together, but in separate couples and with another pareja, another, another gentleman. And so how do you baptize someone that's saved, that's living in immorality, but yet says, I want to go and walk in newness of life? And so we went through our little baptism booklet with them and, and shared it that when do we baptize and why do we baptize and how and what are you waiting for and, and had gone through all of that and I was getting ready to meet with them again and just share with them, now wait a minute, we've got a, an aspect of indwelling sin that is living right now, but we want to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and how do we do that? Well, can I tell you that God had already gone before and been working in their hearts and in their lives because each and every one of them said, Pastor, we're living in immorality and we cannot walk in newness of life until we get things straightened out. Would you marry us? That year we had two weddings from two of those couples. The other one that was living with another gentleman left and did not return to him. And they are each choosing to go and to walk in newness of life. That's the power of the word of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. That's the power of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The power of a resurrected Savior. But I want to tell you this this morning in verse 8. It says similarly... Similar, uh, kind of like it in verse 5, but in verse 8 it says this, that you and I have all the resources that we need to go and to do what God has called us to do. Do we not? What do we lack? 
By a show of hands, how many of you, when you go to share the gospel with someone, you have a little bit of fear and trembling somewhere inside, and you don't want to go? Dave Mansfield, what a sinner. You raised your hand up first, the entire congregation. But you know what? Sweetheart, your hand's up. You know why? Because it's literally a matter of life and death. Satan doesn't want you to do that. He'll give you every single excuse, but you and I have all of the resources that we need in order to go through the Holy Spirit, do we not? Through the word of God that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And verse 8 says this, It was still in the future for them, but it's now in the past for us, if we have trusted Christ as our Savior. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you what? You will be my witnesses shall be in another version in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You and I lack nothing. What keeps us? Is it the fear of rejection, the fear of what they may say? Is it I don't know if they're going to receive what I have to say? What happens if they ask me a question I don't know? Can I share with you what the answer is if they ask you a question you don't know? I don't know real simple but I want to tell you that I have a book that has all of the answers and I so look forward to your challenge today to go and to study and to learn and to grow and I can't wait till next week when we meet together at this same time that you share with me what you found and I share with you what I found there's no shame in that there's shame in just being quiet and not going and sharing when God has called us to do that. And that's not my purpose this morning. My purpose is to encourage us by what is taking place through your ministry in South America, but to encourage us as believers that we have everything that we need in order to go. The Holy Spirit is going to give it to us. He wants his word out. He wants the message out. A couple of years ago, Pastor Neil Shupp, you, many of you may remember him. He had served here at the school and at Latham for a time before I came. But he came down with his wife and was part of a ministry team with us down in Ecuador. And when he prayed, he prayed this. It wasn't, here I am, Lord, use me. It, it wasn't, here I am, and, and I've got all the words to say, God, let's, let's go win some souls for you. Neil prayed this, and it touched my heart, and I've prayed it almost every day since. He said, God make us usable for your glory God make us usable for your glory my motivation is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ do we not we have a resurrected savior and the new believers here in this time period they had all the resources that were ever needed and you and I have the word of God in our hands we don't have an excuse we now have a responsibility Come join me and be a part of that. Right where you are. Don't come to Ecuador unless you're willing to reach the people that are right next door. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and enable you as we pray that God will make us usable for his honor and glory. What is your motivation? To change a world in a world that has changed. If you're here today with us this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and some of this may not make sense to you, I'll tell you, we can't be quiet because of what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts and our lives. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing in us. In fact, all of our sins, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. But it's by his grace that he saved us to go and to do good works, to go change a world 
that has changed. We have the examples of believers that have gone before us that through their relationship, from the word of God, it teaches us the relationship. He chose them to send them out. Because we have a resurrected Savior that cannot be denied. We have all of the resources. Let's go. Amen? Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning. I thank you that we have the privilege of representing you in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God, not a day goes by that we don't hear of another tragedy, difficulty, or element in the world in which we live that is absolutely dying without you, without hope, not even for tomorrow, not even hope for today. But here amongst this group and churches around America, around the world, believers literally everywhere, we do have that hope because we have that relationship with you. You rose from the dead to give us life. No matter what confronts us, we're going to be raised again in the likeness of your death. We're going to be with you forever. Thank you for giving us all of the resources that we need in order to accomplish the mission that you have given to us. God, I ask that you prick our hearts that we would be usable. We want to be usable for you right where we are. I thank you for how you have used Latham Bible Baptist Church literally around the world for the last entire history of the church. I pray that you continue using this ministry. I pray for pastor, for his family, that you would guide them and direct them and use them and make them usable, each and every one of us usable as we go and share. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.